Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bardic Inquisition. I'm your host Vince and today we are talking about politics. But not your average everyday bipartisan American politics, Democrats versus Republicans, none of that. I get enough of that on social media. No, no, we are talking something much more interesting. We're talking about politics in your D&D game. But before we get started, I have a small disclaimer. And this should, in theory, only affect a few people. But if you are a player in my Dalkir campaign, do not listen to this podcast. I repeat, if you are one of my Dalkir boys, Chris, Joey, Chris, watching you. All right. See you next week. But with all that business aside, let's get straight into it. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today we're talking about introducing politics into your D&D game. So, I apologize ahead of time if you are not a DM. This may not be as relevant to you, but if you at least play D&D, you may find this interesting. So, why are politics important? Well, first of all, no matter where you go or what you do, there will be some form of politics. Simply because there are finite resources, there's a limited amount of space that exists, and people want that, and people want control over certain aspects of their lives. And then, of course, you have other people that just need to have some kind of structure. So, again, regardless of where you go, there are going to be some form of politics. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of what certain political styles or systems are, like what is a monarchy, for example, because that's not really my field of specialization. But instead, I'm going to be focusing on this just general, top-down idea to give you a place to get started. So let's talk factions. What is a faction, really? It's, well, an organized group of people that have a common goal. Some more organized than others, but I think we have a good enough base to build off of. So let's invent a faction, just to use as an example. How about... The Red Mountain Goblins. Great, so now what do we need? Well, we need a motivation. We need a goal. What do the Red Mountain Goblins want? In this case, to protect their territory, the Red Mountains, and to keep others out. But what about leadership? Who's really in charge here? Perhaps their leader is an orcish man named Dorashk of the Painted Nails. Yeah, that seems good, right? Alright, so what are Durashk's motivations? What does he really want? Because it's not enough just to have your leader's motivations be the same as the faction's motivations. So let's say that Durashk knows about some hidden, magical, powerful item hidden deep within the Red Mountains, and that he wants to keep other people away from it. We'll call this item the Bloodstone. Maybe Durashk wants to keep people away from this item because it's a dark and powerful item that could lead to the destruction of the world as we know it. 
Or perhaps he wants the stone for himself. Perhaps there is no stone, and he genuinely just cares for the well-being of the goblin people that are under his command. Whichever way you decide to go, it's important that your NPCs that are in command have a clear motivation. To use my own campaign setting as an example, I have several clans in my world, and each one of them is helmed by a Jarl. In the case of most of my Jarls, their motivation simply is to look out for the well-being of their people. And one more time, if you are in my Dalkir campaign, this is your last warning to turn the podcast off. But I also have other NPCs, we'll call them villains, that are heads of factions, and they definitely have their own motivations. We'll use the character Calder as an example. Calder is a politician who is, on the surface, concerned with the well-being of the people of the Ravni clan. Currently, the Ravni clan is under the leadership of the twin Jarls Ezra the Blind and Runa the Silent. They were originally put in this position because they have divine powers that were given to them by the god Odin. And the Ravni people took this as a sign that they were meant to lead the people. Recently, however, due to some events in the story, their ability to lead has been called into question. Now, on the surface, Calder pretends to want to help the Jarls by advising them, but in actuality, he wants their position for himself. But Calder's ambitions go even beyond that. He wants to become the High King, and he will do that by any means necessary. Think of him kind of like Palpatine from the Star Wars series. So, we've got a faction and we've got a leader, but what else do we need? Well, we need assets. Going back to our Red Mountain Goblins example, first of all, let's talk numbers. How many warriors do the Red Mountain Goblins have at their disposal? How about, uh, 500, just to throw out a number. Now, this might never actually come up or be important, but it's good to have in mind. And the other part of this, which I believe is more important and far more interesting, is what kind of special resources does this faction have access to? Well, let's say that being within a certain radius of the Bloodstone has given these Red Mountain Goblins access to special, powerful magic. Yeah, so now every Red Mountain Goblin knows Fireball. Kind of scary now that I think about it. Going back to my own Dalkir campaign as an example, each of the clans of Dalkir have their own unique clan ability or asset, and each of the Jarls have their own legendary weapon. Let's take the Bjarki clan for example. The Bjarki, being a clan full of dwarves from the mountains, have access to superior quality weapons and armor. And their leader, Rurik Valdir, wields Mjolnir, the Hammer of Thor. So, great, now we have a faction, a leader, a motivation for the faction and the leader, and we have assets. Now it's time to add a little bit more politics to our politics. We need to think about how does our faction interact with the rest of the factions and in turn the rest of the world. We definitely need alliances, people that our faction is friendly towards, and we absolutely have to have rivalries. Both of these things are equally important because if your players come across the Red Mountain Goblins, for example, and are either friendly towards them or are hostile towards them, it should affect their relationships with the other factions. So maybe the Red Mountain Goblins are constantly feuding with the Blue Mountain Bugbears. 
And if the party comes across the Red Mountain Goblins and gets into a fight with them and takes them all out, well, maybe now the Blue Mountain Bugbears are friendly towards the party. Or maybe you don't want a bunch of rivalry. Keep in mind, though, that if everyone is at peace, there needs to be a reason why they're at peace. Typically, it's because there is a powerful person in charge that is keeping everyone from fighting. Because, if left to their own devices, normally people will fight over things like resources. In my Dalkir campaign, this is the High King. And if something were to happen to him, well, the clans might start warring. So let's recap. We know that factions need leaders. They need motivations. They need their leaders to have motivations. They need assets, enemies, allies, and if there is peace between all factions, a reason for that peace. But now I want to tell you about a secret technique that I have recently started employing in my Dalkir campaign, and I'm pretty excited about it. And one last time, if you are one of the guys in my Dalkir campaign, I have given you plenty of warnings. Stop it. Shame on you. You should not be here. But with that out of the way, let's move on. First off, I did not come up with this technique. I stole it from Matt Colville, so thank you, Matt Colville. But I was watching one of his episodes that he calls his campaign diaries, where he talks about his campaigns. And he was talking about how he was texting one of his buddies, asking him what his character would do. And his character was a baron in his campaign that was not actually one of Matt's players. So this friend was basically running an NPC that was an important political figure in his campaign. And I thought, that's genius. Why don't I do that? So I sent out messages to several different people that I know that are not in the Dalkir campaign. And I asked, hey, I have all of these factions in my game. Would you like to play one of the clan leaders or faction leaders? And so I basically gave them all a list of their choices and told them that if it's a clan leader, that they could basically change them any way they wanted to, except for a couple of key details, because the players at this point have not met most of the clan leaders. So my brother is playing Saigon, the Jarl of the Torden clan. These are mountain-dwelling folk that have alliances historically with dragons. A lot of Torden soldiers have halberds and wear heavy armor, and their Jarl, Saigon, wields the legendary halberd Jormantuska. This legendary halberd allows the user to hurl knots of thunder at their enemies that deal a little bit of thunder damage, but also stops them from taking reactions until the beginning of the wielder's next turn. It also allows the wielder to, once per day, breathe a breath weapon just like a dragon, that's pretty cool, right? My sister ended up choosing Stigger the Feng, Jarl of the Fen. The Fen are a very aggressive clan who uses trained wolves in combat. 
They are very nomadic and rely on surprise attacks as well as swarm strategies to quickly overwhelm their opponents. Stigur herself wields the Fangs of Fenrir, twin short swords that deal extra damage when wielded together and allow some healing during combat as well as increased movement to help catch enemies that are trying to get away. My fiancé is playing Theron Feldar, Jarl of the Svafnir. This secretive clan is made up mainly of elves, half-elves, and humans, a lot of which are trained scouts, thieves, and assassins. The Svafnir themselves prefer to stay out of open combat and instead send in an assassin to take out a crucial target. The legendary weapon of the Svafnir is the Blade of Loki. This dagger has 10 different possible effects, and every day it changes which effect it has for that day. And these are mostly trickery-related effects, like, for example, there's one that allows you to, once per combat, switch places with anybody that is within 60 feet of you. There's another one that simply lets you cast Disguise Self a certain number of times per day. The key here is that the ability that you get to use that day is chosen at random. Unless, of course, you happen to be of elven descent. And then, of course, there's my friend Riley, who is playing Jarl Tolvar, leader of the Akari. And after some significant disagreements, sworn enemy of my players. The Akari are a sea-dwelling clan, so naturally they have the best ships. And they use these ships, in true Viking fashion, to ambush their enemies from the sea or from the river, in the case of inland targets. The legendary weapon of the Akari is the Axe of Aegir, but we haven't determined what it does yet. And that's everyone that I have so far. So remember how I was talking earlier about the twin Jarls of the Ravni people, and how the people were kind of rebelling against them? Well, as a result, they sent out ravens to the other clans, asking for aid in this matter. And so far, the responses have been quite interesting. I won't be covering those today because, spoilers, but let's just say they'll have a very big impact on how the story plays out. So why would I do any of this? Why hire out my friends to play important NPCs in my game? Well, the first reason is it's less work for me. I don't have to think about all of these important NPCs and their motivations. Secondly, this helps my friends that otherwise cannot play in this campaign feel involved in this campaign. As an example, Riley and I don't even have the same days off, but this way he still gets to feel like he's contributing in my campaign. And he is. And the third reason is that it makes the politics in my game far more interesting. Because when you have several different minds working on a project, you end up with very different results than what you would have come up with by yourself. But that's it guys, that is the politics episode. Let's go ahead and move into the outro and get you guys out of here. Okay, guys, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Bardic Inquisition. If you'd like to know what my political views are, 
too bad that's not what this channel is about. But if you would like to contribute to what we do here, please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash Inquisition. If you'd like to get in touch with me for one reason or another, please send me an email at bardicinquisition at yahoo.com or find me on Twitter at bardinquisition. If you like the show and you'd like to hear more, tune in next week. But until then, take care, be kind, and don't stop dreaming. <laughs>